Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jars, Part 3, An Interview with Irene, is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. It was not until I opened the dresser drawer to take out a clean shirt that I knew someone had been in the room. I'd stacked the clean shirts neatly in the corner of the big middle drawer. They were scattered all over the drawer as if stirred by a hasty hand. I looked around and saw more and more evidence of a quick, careless search. I distinctly remember locking the door. It was unlocked. That meant someone had come in while I had slept. Fortunately, I had put my wallet inside the pillowcase. My money was safe. I shivered slightly, remembering how Stucky could move so quietly. I did not see how it could have been anyone else. I had breakfast, looked up an address, and drove off to see the girl of the cracked treasured picture. The memory of that girl at the end of Floyd's life eased and strengthened a dying man. Dr. Brent Hirsch was a veterinarian. His home and place of business was a pleasant old farmhouse with the animal hospital attached. Noisy dogs were running in individual runways. There were horses in a corral. Dr. Hirsch came out into the waiting room when the bell on the door rang. He was an enormous man with bushy red hair that was turning gray. He had a heavy baritone voice and an impressive frown. We're not open yet unless it's an emergency, young man. No emergency. I wanted to see Irene Hirsch for a minute. What about? It's a personal matter. I was a friend of Floyd Vincent. He did not look pleased. She's at the house. Go on up there. Tell her Oswald hasn't showed up yet and I need help with the feeding. Tell her Butch died in the night and she'll have to phone the Thompsons. Got that? I can remember it. Don't keep her too long. I need her help down here. Go around the back door. She's probably in the kitchen. I went across the lawn to the house and up the back stairs and knocked on the door. The girl came to the back door. Her hair was dark red, a red like you can see in old furniture made of cherry wood, oiled and polished so the sun glints fire streaks in it. She wore jeans and a pale blue blouse. Her eyes were tinted gray, her lips full. She had good golden skin tones unlike most redheads. Her figure was lovely. There are many women in the world as attractive as Irene Hirsch, but they can be arrogant or petulant or sensuous because their beauty makes up for it. But when you've grown accustomed to the beauty, there will just be arrogance and petulance left. Irene Hirsch wore her own face for the world, wore an expression of strength and humility and goodness. Should you become accustomed to her loveliness, there would still be all that left. She couldn't be any other way because all the usual poses and trappings were left out of her. She was a for-keeps girl, This was a girl who would deserve utter loyalty. Irene Hirsch? Yes. Her eyes had a sharp awareness and a tense and personal curiosity. I took the picture out of the pocket and handed it to her. She looked at it, then looked sharply at me, eyes narrowed. Where did you get this? Floyd Vincent had it. Floyd? I didn't know he had this. Were you at... Are you a police officer? Not anymore. Your father gave me some messages for you. He said, Oswald hasn't showed up. And he needs help with the feeding. And you're to phone the Thompsons that Butch died during the night. Her face showed immediate concern. That's too bad. Who was Butch? A really sweet golden retriever. Some kid in a Subaru hit him and didn't even stop. I should phone right away. I would like to talk to you when you have more time. Could I take you to lunch today? What do you want to talk to me about? I'm doing a book on the ones who died in the line of duty, and I thought you might help fill in on Floyd. He mentioned you many times. Well, we used to go together. I... Yes, I'll help all I can. Can you pick me up at 12.15 here? I'll be glad to. 
You want the picture back? I think Floyd wanted you to have it. She hesitated, then handed it to me. The girl in this picture was 18. That was a long time ago. Hey, you didn't tell me your name yet. James. Hunter James. I found the old Vincent house and chatted for a time with the talkative Mr. Siler. Siler had purchased it from Leon. It was a big, high-shouldered frame house. Siler turned it into four apartments. He complained of the condition of the inside of the house when he took it over. I gotta say, Vincent was a pig. You should have seen the mess. It was like he didn't care. I, I didn't expect much grass, but the whole darn placement spayed up like somebody was going to plant every inch of it and then just left it alone. I knew that was some of Stucky's work. He was a man who would do a good job of searching, and the isolation of the house behind high plantings would give him an uninterrupted opportunity to dig. I picked up Irene Hirsch at the time she suggested. She had changed to a white sweater and dark green skirt. She seemed more reserved. As we got into the car, I said, How did the Thompsons take it? Very hard. I took them right into getting another dog right away. That's, that's the best way. Not the same breed, either, but a new pup. Young enough to need and demand attention. Where should we have lunch? Someplace we can talk. Uh, ah, the coffee shop at the Leabrook Inn. It's nice. I remembered seeing it. She led the way back through a bleak lobby and down a half-flight of stairs to a coffee shop. It had big, dark oak booze upholstered in red quilted plastic. They were doing a good business. The girls were brisk, starched. There was a good smell of steaks and chops. She accepted the offer of a drink before lunch and said she'd like an old-fashioned. So I ordered two of them. There was an exceptionally fresh, clean look about her. She handled herself casually and well. How well did you know Floyd? We were co-workers. He wasn't married, so we didn't socialize a lot. I liked him okay. Floyd was good people. You knew him well, too, I guess. We went steady. Seniors in high school when it all started. When we graduated, we both went to State College at Reading. He only went two years and then came back to help Leon. Everybody thought we were going to get married. <laughs> I guess I did, too. But things changed. I guess he lost interest. He worked very hard. We, we drifted apart. Were you in love with him? I thought I was. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been as close. But I don't know as I can explain it. You see, Floyd was very popular in school. He was a good athlete, and everybody liked him. He was president of the senior class. I, I was popular, too. I was queen of the senior pageant and all that sort of thing. It was as if people expected us to go together. They sort of infected us, I guess. Maybe we fell in love with the way we looked together and felt the responsibility of what other people wanted us to be. Do you understand that? That wasn't love. I've known what love is. Go on. When it finally ended, it didn't hurt as badly as I thought it would. If it hadn't ended, we would have gone on and gotten married. What kind of guy was he, Irene? I told you. Popular and nice and... Underneath. I don't want to feel disloyal or anything. We better order. After we had given the order, she looked beyond me and frowned. There was something weak about Floyd. Things had come too easily. He, he was smart and athletic and people liked him. But he'd never been tested. I had the feeling that he thought that things would always be that easy all his life. That he would always get whatever he wanted. It worried me because I'd learned the world isn't like that. It was as though nothing had ever happened to make him grow up. And I used to wonder what would happen when things started to go wrong. I knew he'd either turn into a man or he'd start to whine and complain. He turned into a man, Irene. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, 
I'm very glad to hear that. Oh, I wish he'd come back home. I think you would have seen that I'm right. After he stopped going with you, who did he go with before he became a cop? No one. He told me about Lizette. So it was true then. Oh, I couldn't be completely certain, but I suspected it. It made me sick to think that could be going on. It was part of a pattern. Everything came so easily. I don't think he even realized what he was doing to himself and to Leon. She was trash. Everybody was sorry and shocked when Leon married her. Floyd told me he was sorry about Lizette. I guess he knew he couldn't turn the clock back and make things like they were before. But he wanted to be able to make amends of some sort. I don't think Leon has ever suspected. But even if he knew now, it wouldn't hurt so much. He knows what she is now. What was she like? Quite pretty. She didn't do well in high school and got held back a couple of years. A tawny blonde. She didn't look like anyone else in her family. She never did graduate from school. She didn't seem to take to schoolwork. She was cunning in other ways. Very cunning. She always soaked herself in perfume. <laughs> she had a very sexy walk. She had full hips, a tiny waist, and nice legs. She had a lot of little provocative mannerisms, you know. Boys used to follow her around like stupid dogs, their eyes glazed over, their tongues hanging out. She never had any close girlfriends. She did as she pleased. She always seemed to be mocking everybody. Leon was very, a very good marriage for her. I always thought it was odd that the three of them were living in that big house. I guess she got bored, and Floyd had as much a chance as a hamburger in a panther cage. Quite a few people were talking by the time Floyd went away. Floyd and I hadn't been together in two years when he left. Then Lizette went off with a salesman. That was so stupid of her. She had everything she wanted. Leon believed in her. The salesman's name was Horseman. He was a, he was a big red-faced man who drove a gray Volvo and came to Leebrook about once every six months. Lizette ran off almost... No, it's, it's over two years ago. Leon had to be out of town on business, and people saw Lizette and Mr. Horseman right here in this place having dinner one night. Bold as can be. They must have left that night, because when Leon came back, they were gone. Did he try to trace her? He didn't want to. He was too badly hurt. She'd packed out her prettiest things, cleaned their joint bank account, and left without even leaving a note. I'll bet that someday she's going to come crawling back here. Would Leon take her back? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I've been trying to help Leon. He hasn't got anyone now. Not a soul. He's drinking all the time, and he's lost most of his business. I cook for him sometimes. I get his room cleaned up, get his clothes in shape, but I can't seem to make him wake up. It makes me sick to see what he's become. I saw him at the store. He wasn't in very good shape. He acted strange. Well, the store is doing almost no business at all. The lumberyard looks all right. I was out there to talk to Stucky. He was on the force with me and Floyd. I know. I, it, is he a good friend of yours? No. I don't like him, Hunter. He's a strange man. I don't know why Leon hired him. It's almost as if he had some hold over Leon. I have a feeling that Stucky's the reason that Leon's going downhill. I don't know how or why. He kept... He kept coming to see me to talk about Floyd. What did he want to talk about? Well, it didn't, it didn't really make much sense. He wanted to know where Floyd and I used to go on dates when we were in high school. 
He wanted to know if we ever went on hikes together. He had to so sly about it, so insinuating. The last time he came, so I had to creep me out, and I told him I wouldn't talk to him anymore. He is really strange. Has he stayed away? Well, I made it really clear that if he kept bothering me, I would get a restraining order against him. He had such a prurient interest in Floyd. I thought you were the same at first, but if, if you are a writer, I can, I can understand why you want to know things. The honesty in her level eyes made me feel ashamed. Well, suppose I'd married him. It would have been fine for a time. But inevitably, I would have begun to feel stifled and bored. I like books, and I like intelligent conversation. I like all manner of things, and Floyd, with his beer and bowling and sport page attitude, he wouldn't have shared my interest. So I would have gotten tired of him pretty fast. Do you understand? Maybe not. I'm the beer, bowling, and sports page type myself. Are you, Hunter? Her words were disquieting. Since I lost Abby, I spent more and more time in the company of offbeat characters. I guess they aren't the beer, bowling, and sports page type either. Are you, Hunter? Maybe not as much as I thought I was. She glanced at her phone. Wow, Dad'll be roaring. I've got to go. On the way back to Irene's place, I steered the conversation to what I really wanted to know. I remember Floyd talking about a girl named Pixie. Pixie? There wasn't any girl named Pixie in this town. Are you certain that's the right name? I'm positive. Did he say anything about her? Just casually. I can't remember exactly what he said. Hmm. I've got nothing here. I turned in the driveway and stopped and got out as she did. I want to thank you, Irene. I'm glad to help you, Hunter. If I have more questions, could I talk to you again? Sure. Call me. She whirled and grabbed the door handle, and I suddenly remembered something I wanted to ask her. I called to her. She stopped and turned to me. Who should I talk to next about Floyd? Oh, uh, try Mr. Ballard at the high school. He took quite an interest in Floyd. It was nearly three when I left her place. I tried to put her stinging comments out of my mind, but they kept replaying in my head. I forced myself to think about the interview with Ballard. Ballard might be the link with Pixie. I must have been a half a mile from the Hirsch place when I began to wonder if the Ford behind me was the one I had seen beside Stucky's shed. I made two turns at random and it stayed behind me. There was no attempt at the traditional nuances of shadowing someone. He tagged along a hundred feet behind me. I pulled over onto the shoulder and got out. It was Stucky. He pulled behind me and got out. What the hell was the idea of going through my room? He leaned on his car. You have a nice gentle snore, James. Soothing. I could file a report with the police. Sure, tell them all. He squinted in the afternoon sunlight. He looked amused. What good does it do you to follow me? I don't know yet. Have a nice lunch with Irene. She's a nice little item. All the proper equipment. She didn't go for me at all. Maybe she likes the more helpless type. Maybe if you work it right, you'll get a chance to take... He stopped abruptly. His face changed. He looked beyond me. I turned just in time to see a dark blue sedan approaching. It sped by us. I caught a glimpse of a heavy, balding man with a hard face behind the wheel. I could read the out-of-state plates. I turned back to Stucky. There's no point in following me around. I told you I don't know anymore. I stopped because there was no point in going on. He brushed by me and got into his car and drove away. I got into my own car. I shrugged it off and focused on Ballard. Thank you for listening to Seamus. 
If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jars, Part 3, an interview with Irene, is based on the book A Bullet for Cinderella by John MacDonald. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. Brent Hirsch was played by Tom Hinton. Irene Hirsch was played by Marsha Taylor. Mr. Siler was played by Nick Yamateo. Oren Stuckey was played by Nick Gordon. I'm Leslie Woodruff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Tom Hinton. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.